Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Hello, this is Chris Johnson, the National Director of Church Partnerships and Government Affairs for Lifeline Children's Services, and this is the Defender Bible Study Podcast. Today is Monday, June 27th, and we will be continuing our study in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 8, verses 1 through Genesis 9, 17, and uh, excited to be able to, to talk through this. We're going to break down this section in four different parts. We're going to see, first of all, uh, in verses 1 through 19 of chapter 8, we're going to see that God remembers Noah. In verses 20 through 22, we're going to see that Noah worships God. Then in verses in chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, we're going to see a new beginning and the value of life. And then in chapter 9, verses 8 through 17, we're going to see God establishing his covenant. And so we have been, of course, we're on this journey through the book of Genesis. We've been talking uh, recently about the flood and Noah and all the different things that go with that. And so today we're going to see Noah coming out of the out of the ark, out of this time of the flood and uh, this new beginning that is taking place. So as we as we start this this conversation uh, today, talking through this and looking at this, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever in your life felt like God had forgotten you? Has there ever been a time where you maybe were in the midst of a storm, uh, maybe in the midst of a struggle, and although your 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 head knew that that was not a, a possibility, but yet your heart and your feelings kind of kind of cried out to God and said, God, why, why have you forgotten me? Man, we we see that over and over again in the Psalms, right? The psalmist so many times cried out, God, why have you forsaken me? God, why have you forgotten me? God, have, do you know what's going on down here? Do you know the, the trouble that I'm in? Do you know the way I'm being attacked? Do you know the things that are happening? And I must confess, I've been there as well uh, many times in my life. It's, you know, you just kind of find yourself in a situation that at least at the moment, at the time, seems completely overwhelming. Um, and it just seems like, God, do you, do you have any clue what's going on in my life? Do you do you even see what's happening here? And uh, I'm being mistreated or maybe uh, life's just falling apart and crumbling and just difficulties and struggles and difficulties and struggles. And, and sometimes it could just seem like, like God has, has forgotten us. Uh, I can't begin to imagine what Noah and his family must have gone through. Uh, we don't have any any uh, indication that that during this time that they were on the ark that he'd heard anything from God. Uh, the last record we have of God speaking is is chapter seven verse one when God says go into the ark you and your household when God tells you to go into the ark. Uh, and then you know again we we kind of think of uh, this as being some kind of a you know boat trip and a lot of times we hear the, the forty days and forty nights that it rained and that kind of thing. But the reality is Noah and his family were on this ark for over a year, over a year. It was about 378 days that they were on this ark from the time that they went on until the time that the water subsided far enough back and dried up enough for them to be able to get out of the ark. So over a year, Noah, of course, all this time he had been obedient to God. He had he had built this ark in this crazy time, and he had, he was preaching and proclaiming truth in a time that uh, the things were extremely wicked around him. Uh, he had been faithful to to obey God, do what God had told him to do. But now he finds himself in this place where he is 
bound up in, in, you know, certainly the ark was huge, but man, think of all the different ones that were in the ark, all the animals and his family and all the things and imagine living uh, in a place like that for, for over a year and just wondering, God, do you, hello, God, (laughs) do you remember what happened? Do you remember where I'm at? Do you know what's going on here? Don't you, do you see me? Do you see what I'm, what I'm going through? Uh, and in the in the midst of, of what must have been doubt and questioning and struggles uh, and uncertainty, and, and maybe you find yourself right now in that place. Uh, maybe you're going through some storms right now where you're saying, God, do you, do you even see where I'm at? Um, maybe it feels like in your life right now that God has forgotten you and that God is not aware of what's going on in your life and the struggles that uh, that you're dealing with and you're facing. Well, in the midst of this uncertainty, in the midst of, of what certainly could have been a time of, of doubt and struggle and questioning, we have in the cha- first, first verse of chapter number eight, but God remembered Noah. But God remembered Noah. Uh, man, what words of, of comfort those are. What words of assurance those are that God remembered Noah. Now, now, this doesn't imply that that God had somehow gotten busy up in heaven and 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 all of a sudden, man, oh, oh, stink! I, Noah's down there. I forgot about Noah. I forgot Noah's floating around on that boat down there, and I totally forgot about him. And so now, man, I remembered him, and now I gotta I gotta deal with him, and I gotta go uh, and help him. Uh, God doesn't God doesn't work that way. God doesn't need uh, Apple reminders or, or notes or sticky notes on his desk to remind him of certain things. Man, I, I need them, right? I, uh, I There are times that I have to have as many reminders and many things go. That's why I have to, I, I live by list and getting to-do list and reminders and notes. And and I have my wife and kids and uh, several of you that work with us here at Lifeline that that remind me often of the things that, that I need to get done because my mind can't hold those things. And there's times that I forget about things and uh, times that I even, um, you know, maybe even sometimes make a commitment to help someone or do something for someone and things get busy and crazy and time gets in the way and, and then time gets away from me. And then I forget about those commitments, forget about those things that I said I would do. Uh, but that's never the case with God. God never has an aha moment. Nothing ever catches God by surprise. There's never a time when when God says, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I need to go and take care of that. But in scripture, when we see this word of God remembering, it really, it's, it's, it's usually used in a sense of God taking action on his promises. God saying, okay, now is the time for me to do what I've said to do. It's not so much a matter of God saying, uh, man, I forgot to do that. And now I remember, and now I need to do it. But it's a matter of God recognizing and saying, now is the time for me to act on my promises. Um, several places that we see this when, when God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible tells us that he remembered Abraham and that he spared Lot on Abraham's behalf. Um, the time when Rachel wanted to, have, to bear children, uh, but she couldn't do that. It says that God remembered Rachel and she conceived. When Israel was in bondage there in uh, in Egypt, and there was a time that rose up a Pharaoh that no longer remembered uh, Joseph and didn't remember the things that it, that had occurred. It says in that time that God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, even when Mary conceived Jesus by the Holy Spirit, she praised God and she said that she was praising the God who remembered his mercy as he, is, as he had spoken. Um, even the, the thief on the cross, when uh, right before Jesus' death on the cross there, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And so in all of these cases, the, the idea is the same. God remembers in the sense 
that he takes action on his promises. So as Mo, as Noah uh, has been in this ark with his family and with the animals for over a year, we now see that God says, okay, now's the time. Now's the time for me to act on my promises. I told you that I would keep you secure, and now is the time to act on that. So let's read the first part of, of chapter number eight, uh, just again to let God's word speak and so that we're able to, to follow along with the story. It says, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the water subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens were was restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the water had abated. And in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, set her foot and she returned to, him, uh, returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him any more. In the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping, creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Now we hear a lot of time frames and dates in there. And again, um, just for, for sake of time, we're going to walk through all of that. But if you add all the time up that, that Moses, or excuse me, Moses, that Noah was on the ark, um, you, you find that it was, again, a little over a year, about 378 days. Um, and so it's during this time that, again, um, Noah must have sure was frustrated and unsure what was going to happen and how long this was going to take and what was going to be the process here. But in this, we see just the faithfulness of God and we see that, that God remembered Noah. Uh, it, it, it all points to, to God's faithfulness. It all points to God's, uh, the fact that, that God can be trusted. Um, you know, Noah, uh, in his, in his, in his trust of God, saw that, that God could be trusted to, to provide for his safety, to provide for his salvation. Uh, Noah and everyone on the, on the, on the ark had been spared from God's judgment. God sent a judgment across the whole earth. And of course, we're told in, uh, in chapter six, verse eight, that, that Noah found grace. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so, and so Noah was able to trust that God had protected him from that judgment, that God had protected him in his past. Uh, we're going to see throughout as we, as we continue to read this passage that, that Noah knew that, that God could be trusted for his future. 
Uh, we're going to see how God provides for him. We're going to see how God makes the promise to preserve him uh, and, and his family and to preserve the earth into the future. Uh, but then we also see God's faithfulness to provide for, for Noah uh, in the present as well. Uh, we're going to see how that he certainly, while Noah was on the ark, God cared for his family and took care of them and provided for them. And then even as they come off of the ark, God puts into place a plan that's going to provide for their nourishment and their health and all these different things. And, and his promises are going to be seen. And, and really that to us is a reminder of God's faithfulness in our own lives, right? Um, we can we can look at as, as children of God today, as Christ followers, we can look and we can rest in the faithfulness of God in our past. Uh, we were lost in our sin. We were um, a part of those that, that should be destroyed, that should be uh, wiped wiped away. But yet God in his grace, not because of anything we have done, nowhere are we told um, that, that, that God owed Noah anything. God certainly didn't owe us anything. But by God's grace, God has rescued us from that place of despair. God has rescued us from ourselves. And so we, we can rest today in the faithfulness of God in our past, in our salvation, in that moment of bringing us to faith in Christ. Uh, we certainly have the promises that we look forward to, and we can rest in a faithful God knowing that because he has saved us, he has promised us an eternal life. Something that is far greater uh, than this life that we that we live in now, uh, and even in those times of, of great despair, when it feels like God has forgotten us, we can go to His Word and we can know that He is His, his Word is true, and we can know that His promises are sure, and we can even in those times of of, of questioning, in those times of not hear, feeling like we're not hearing from God, we can rest in the promises of a future that is secure because of our relationship with Christ. And we know that that one day he'll set all things right. And one day uh, we're going to step into an, an eternity that we're going to be with him forever and ever. And, uh, and and what a joy to rest in that. So so we can see a faithful God in our past. We can rest in his faithfulness for the future. But, but if we're really honest and we look at our lives even now, we see so often that God is at work in our lives. Um, many times we we kind of see again just the storm around us and the struggle around us, and if we focus on that storm and we focus on that struggle, we really miss out on God's provision in our life today. And really seeing, um, man, we are such a blessed people. Uh, so many times I, you know, I'll, I'll kind of again I'll have those times of, of just kind of having a pity party and kind of throwing that pity party for myself. Um, and sometimes God just has to kind of smack me upside the head and remind me, uh, man, do you, do you have any clue how blessed you truly are? Uh, when I really stop and look at, at God's goodness in my life and um, his provision in my life, I see that that he is so faithful. And so we, we see that Noah, uh, Noah here, that God remembered Noah, that God, he rescued him from, from the destruction of the world, rescued him uh, from, from what he deserved. He, he prepared a future for him and, and he made promises to him that were, that were sure and that we know looking back that he had kept those promises. But then he also provide for, provided for him in the moment as he needed it. And the same is true uh, for God in our lives. We see over and over again that God, he, he keeps his promises. He keeps his word and we can trust him. We can trust him for our past. We can trust him for our future. And even we can trust him right now in our present uh, as well. And so it's important that we, that we do that. When God is silent in our lives, sometimes it's because he's 
wanting to do something new. Sometimes it's because he's wanting to, to, to rid us of the old and get us to a place where we're focused on his work and on the things that he wants to accomplish and do. And we certainly see that that was the case here with, with Noah, uh, for things to, to be right, to be set right again, to be, uh, to do something new in the earth, to do something new, even in Noah, uh, God had to bring them through difficulties, bring them through that, that time of, of trial. And, and, uh, ultimately God destroyed things so that he could make things new and bring about, about something new. And so, uh, in those times again, where we feel that, that God is not hearing us and that we are far from him or that he is far from us. May we rest in the fact that God is always at work and God has a purpose and a plan and God is accomplishing that purpose and plan in our life. So in these first verses, we see again that God remembered Noah and may we find comfort and joy in the fact that God remembers us as well. And his, his remembering us moves him to action on our behalf and he is providing for us and he will continue to provide for us. But we see then in the, in the rest of this chapter, verses 20 uh, down through 22, we see Noah's response to God's faithfulness. And so God remembers Noah. And because God remembers Noah, we now see Noah worshiping God. God remembered Noah. And so then Noah remembered God. God Noah took the time. I, I imagine coming, man, coming out of this ark, and you kind of read all the things that he had to do and getting all those animals off the ark and getting things back situated and figuring out what's going to happen next, building a shelter for his family, um, taking care of next steps and things that, that needed to be done. Um, but in all of that, Noah stopped. And we see in verses 20 through 22 that Noah stopped and Noah worshiped God. Verse 20, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil for, from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So Noah takes the time to stop and say, you know what? God has been faithful. God has taken care of me. And now uh, I want to honor God and I want to, uh, to worship him. And that's ultimately what uh, sacrifice is. It's all about, it's all about worship. Uh, and so, and so Noah, uh, he worships God and he remembers God, uh, first of all, but just by trusting God, um, you know, he, Noah's, this has been a, a trust, a, a relationship, a walk of faith. We see in Hebrews chapter 11, Noah is a part of that, that great hall of faith because of the faith that, that Noah had to even go into the ark to begin with. There had to be that moment where he, he trusted that God was going to protect him, that God was going to, to rescue him, uh, that God was not going to judge him along with others. And, and for us, our, our recognition of God and our worship of God starts with us trusting him, trusting him for our salvation. Trusting that that he is the savior that he said he that he said he is, uh, trusting that that we were lost and that we were completely separated from him and that we needed him to be able to save us to provide for our eternal life and so our worship of God starts with a willingness to trust him in salvation, but then not only trusting him in salvation but continuing to trust him at work in our lives. Uh, waiting for him and obeying him. Noah, uh, he displayed his trust in God. He displayed his his worship of God by being willing to uh, to trust God even in the in the waiting. 
Um, again, we see as, we're, as we kind of back up and see this different procedures that they were happening as, as Noah was kind of waiting for that time to get off of the ark and he sent out the raven, then he sent out the dove and the dove came back and then he sent out the dove again and all this process. And each time you read it, it's like another week, another week, another month, another week. And, and certainly uh, Noah must have been like, man, what in the world? When is this ever going to end? But he, but he continued to wait on the Lord. He continued to allow God um, to do that. We so often want God to work immediately. We want God to work in our timetable. Uh, but we've got to come to a place where we trust God's working in our life. We trust Him for our salvation, but can we trust Him in our day-to-day life? Can we trust Him to provide for us? Can we trust that His timing is best? Can we trust that, that His timing is right? Can we wait patiently on Him and allow Him to accomplish the work in us that He wants to do? But then ultimately, as as Noah trusted in, in God for his salvation, as Noah trusted in God, uh, in, in God's timing, we see now that that He offers this this worship, this this sacrifice, um, and it's a sacrifice both of gratitude, but also a sacrifice of surrender. Uh, it, it's the it's really the first time that we see a sacrifice being offered on an altar, and the altar, of course, is a is a symbol and a place of surrender, a place of yielding, and a place of of of, of just completely uh, surrendering to to God. And so we see Noah is giving gratitude, he's giving thanks, he's offering this this sacrifice as a thank you to God, thanking God for His protection, thanking God for His provision, thanking God for His salvation. But then also it's a it's a place of surrender and saying, God, my life is yours. And God, you have been faithful and you have protected, and you have provided for me in the past. And going forward, I don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, I imagine that, that that Noah had great uncertainty. He questioned the future. Everything he had known had been wiped off the earth. Um, you know, we kind of see the pictures of the animals coming off the ark and everything's green and beautiful and the sky's shining bright and everything looks beautiful. The reality is it wouldn't have been quite that way. Um, and Noah got on the ark seeing all of that. But then as he's coming off the ark, he's seeing a world that's been destroyed by the flood. Uh, every person that he has known has been wiped off the planet. Everything that that he, um, he, he is embarking on a whole new journey. And, and so there's this this understanding, though, that he is saying in this time of this new beginning, he's saying, God, I trust you. God, I surrender to you. Uh, God, I don't know what the future holds, but God, my all is on the altar here. Uh, it, this this idea of the altar and of, of sacrifice, it's it's giving thanks, but then it's also trusting uh, that God has, has a plan, that God has a picture. And I wonder, uh, in our times of doubt, in our times of struggle, when we're coming out of those seasons of, of difficulty, are we willing to, to lay it all on the altar before God? Are we willing to surrender our all to him? Are we willing to trust him that his ways are best, that he knows exactly what he is doing uh, and that he will accomplish his purposes in his life, in, in our life? And so uh, we, we, we were able to, uh, to see that, that Noah uh, in his response to God, and then we see that, that his response pleased the Lord. It says there in, in verse number 21, when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma um, that the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. Um, for the intention of man's heart is evil throughout his youth. Now he's not saying, uh, what, he, what he's saying that the word for there really is, is, is although is kind of the idea here. It's that um, although man is still evil and man's still going to do wrong, I'm, I'm making a promise, I'm making a covenant that I'm not going to destroy the earth in this way again. And I'm going to, 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 to secure and to protect um, the world that, that he is, is, is creating here is continuing to create here uh recreate in this this new sense uh after the time of the flood 
So Noah is recognizing that that God can be trusted and that, that God is is worthy of his worship. So we see that 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 God remembers Noah. We see that Noah remembers God. Noah worships God. Noah trusts God. Then we move into chapter nine, and again we see this picture of a new beginning. Um, and really, this this new beginning it, it begins with a, with a focus on life, with a focus on the importance of life. And we see a lot of parallels from Genesis chapter one and the creation account. We see a lot of those parallels to the this 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 portion of scripture here in chapter eight and going into chapter nine, um, and just the way that, that that God showed his 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 um, his his handiwork, his his work, his purposes. But then also that it shows the value of life and his the the fact that life that that human life was created in the image of God and God here even in this new beginning that is set forth in in chapter nine he starts off uh, we're started we, we start off by being told about just again seeing God's God's heart for um, the just the sanctity of, of human life and its and its protection um, we see God encouraging and God telling them to go and and to multiply life um, verse number one. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Remember, we heard the same thing. He said the same thing to to Adam and Eve at the beginning of Genesis. He is now saying that again and and again, just pointing to and recognizing the value of human life. And he is encouraging them to go forth and to to multiply that life, to multiply this legacy. And certainly there is the, um, the, the, the understanding in that. And as we continue to see God's working in his people, that, that this idea of, of being fruitful and multiplying, fill the earth. Um, also, it carries the idea of passing on to those that are coming into the earth, passing on the remembrance of God's goodness, the remembrance of God's grace. Uh, and every time a new child would have been born, every time a new person uh, would have would have come onto the earth, it would have been a good reminder of of what God had done and what God had brought them through and and God's promises. And so we see that the command there to multiply life, but then we see uh, that God's willingness and God's desire to sustain life. Look at verse number two through four. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hands. They are delivered every morning. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything, but you shall not eat flesh with its life. That is its blood. Now here, what God is saying to to Noah is a little bit different from the way things were in the garden in the original creation. Uh, in the in the original garden creation, remember, man and animal kind of coexisted. Adam certainly had um, dominion over animal, and that he named the animals and and did that. But there's really uh, we see the indication primarily of um, the eating of plants and fruits and vegetable. But now God is saying something a little bit different. God is saying now that that man is to have prominence over animal, and now he's kind of opening the door also for man to now um, eat the meat of animals, and he's kind of opening that door. And so again, the idea is. That that, that God is is seeking to um, to show the 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 the, the prominence of human life uh, over the animal kingdom. The um, that that man is to have dominion over the animal. He also is showing that part of his provision for man in protecting in, in sustaining life um, is that he would be able to eat the animal. That he'd be able to to um, to to continue to sustain himself in the eating of animals. And of course, we certainly know that there's going to be times where God's going to give certain laws and certain things are going to be appropriate for certain time periods. 
kids uh, with his people. But here God's kind of lifting this prohibition. And he's now saying, um, man, in order to sustain yourself, you have dominion over the animals and you're able to even uh, eat the eat the, um, the flesh of animals. Of course, he gives this uh, instruction and understanding of, of not uh, of cooking animal and, and not eating, drinking the blood. And there's all kind of dietary issues in that. And certainly could spend time talking about that. But ultimately what I want us to see here is that God is concerned with life and specifically with human life. He gives that command to multiply life. He now is saying, I'm going to provide to sustain life. And then in verses five and six, he gives this, this kind of this first um, understanding of protecting life and valuing life. He says there in, in verse number five, and for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning from every beast. I will, I will require it. And from man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed for God made man in his own image. So here we see this this first idea of 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 a life for a life and and um and again there's there's lots of discussion and, and we don't really have time today to go into all the implications of, of capital punishment and those things but but God I think the thing that he wants us to see here is that God values human life and God says that if you take human life, your life should be required of you. And God says, if you take human life, the, the way to, to avenge for that is for you to lose your life. And so again, God puts a just a great uh, uh, premium on, on human life. And God shows the, the importance of protecting life, the importance of sustaining and protecting life. And certainly, of course, in, in the world in, in which we live and the ministry that, that we have, we um, we hold high this standard to protect life. And it's one of the reasons that we fight so hard to, to bring an, an end to abortion, to make abortion unthinkable, unnecessary, uh, to end abortion legally is because we want to protect life. And we get this from our creator who who says here again, he reminds us that He God made man in his own image. And that's why man's different from animal. Um, man is different from plant. Man is different from any other creation that God has made because man is created in the image of God. And we must do what we can to protect life, to preserve life. And God says, he gives that uh, just command over and over again. And he puts such a high pr uh, prominent place uh, on life and a high premium on human life. So, so we see God remembers Noah. We see that Noah remembers God and worships God. We see this new beginning that God is uh, setting forth and that, and that God is, is putting in place in his, how this new beginning has a focus on life, specifically human life and how he is valuing human life. And, and then we end our, our passage today just recognizing that God establishes his covenant. God says, you know what, all these things that I've done and all these things that I've been saying over and over again, I want to just drive this point home that I can be trusted. I want to drive this point home that that I can that you can that you can trust me that you can follow me and that my promises are true. And so this is the first time all through a lot of places through Scripture we hear about different covenants. We hear about God making covenants with different men. We hear about different men making covenants together. But that's where the, this is where it all begins. This is the first covenant that we have recorded in Scripture. And and we're gonna we're gonna talk about a few things about this covenant as we as we conclude this, but let's read through verse number eight uh, down through the, the rest of this, this passage. 
Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many are as come out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I made between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the life covenant that, of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. What a beautiful picture just of God's, uh, again, just saying, hey, I want you to know, Noah, that I can be trusted that I'm going to keep my word. And so he establishes this covenant with Noah. And there are a few things about the covenant that I think are important to note and, and a few things that parallel uh, directly with the new covenant that we enjoy today with our Heavenly Father. Um, one, one thing about this covenant is, is God is the one that took the initiative. Um, this is just a unilateral one-way covenant that is given. A lot of covenants through scripture are kind of a, a um, it's two people together kind of coming together to make covenant. But this covenant, Noah had nothing to do with it. God initiated this covenant. And man, we we certainly know that in our own salvation, in the new covenant that we partake of in, in salvation today, it's initiated by God. We were, we're dead in our sins. Nothing we could do to ever get to God. And when we were dead, God said, I'm going to show you my love. I'm going to show you my mercy. I'm going to show you my grace. And I'm going to draw you to myself. And so we see that this covenant was initiated by God. We see also that this covenant's an eternal covenant. Um, God knew his plan from the very beginning and he, planned, he, he carries that plan out. Out. His promises will be fulfilled. This covenant that he said, he said, I will never again destroy the world by a flood. And, and so God uh, keeps that covenant. The same is true uh, with the new covenant. It's eternal. Once we place faith in Christ and we become his child, we know that we have eternal life and we can rest in his promise that, that he will see that thing through, that he will finish the work, as, as Philippians says, that he will finish the work that he starts in us and he will complete that work. And it is an eternal covenant that we have with him. Uh, we see that, that this is a, um, it, it's an unconditional covenant. God doesn't say to Noah, as long as you do this, I will do this. He doesn't say as long as mankind doesn't get back to the same place that they were before, then then if man gets back to the same place they were before, then I might change my mind and I might send another flood to destroy the earth. He says, no, he says, I'm gonna, it doesn't matter. It's completely unconditional. It's completely dependent upon God being the one that, that keeps that promise. The, the covenant is solely dependent on God and his word. And our salvation is the same. Our salvation, once we come to Christ and he draws us to himself, and once we are sealed by his Holy Spirit, uh, it is God that does all of that work. It is God that that keeps us secure. It is God that, that fulfills his promises to us. And it's not dependent upon us acting a certain way or us living a certain way or us doing certain things or not doing certain things. It's completely dependent upon his grace and his mercy to us. 
And so I'm so thankful that, that, that God's covenant with Noah was not conditional, but also that God's covenant with us is not conditional and that we can rest uh, in that covenant, in, in that being sure um, with, with, with our, in our relationship with Christ. And so, and so as God's making this promise, I imagine that, that Noah and his offspring, they, I'm sure they heard this. They heard God saying this. They saw the things that God had done. But can you just imagine up until the flood, there had not been rainstorms and thunderstorms and lightning and clouds and all these different things that that, that now are part of the reality of this world. And a part, uh, we, we saw that in chapter eight, how God says now there's going to be seed time, harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Uh, all of these things shall not cease that there's going to be this, this, all these different things with the climate. Can you imagine Noah and his family, the nervousness that they got when they're sitting in their hut and they all of a sudden they hear a little bit of a rumble of a thunder or all of a sudden they start feeling the, the hearing the sprinkle on the, on the, on the, on the roof or they were outside and they start feeling the rain coming down. Um, man, all they had ever known before the last time this happened, <laughs> God wiped everything out. God destroyed everything. And I imagine there was this, this uneasiness and this uncertainty. And, and man, don't we, don't, don't so many times we see new Christians that kind of live that way. I know I've trusted Christ, but, but man, I, you know, a storm comes or a difficulty comes in my life. Is this God judging me? Is God abandoning me? Is God turning his back on me? And, 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 and in light of that, I think that's exactly um, why God said, you know what, I'm going to not only make this covenant with you, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you a sign of that covenant and I'm going to give you a sign. And that sign is the rainbow. And the reality is the rainbow is only visible. We can talk about all the science of that, but the rainbow is only visible when a storm is nearby, either just before or during the storm or right after the storm. That's when the rainbow becomes visible. And so what a great, uh, just in the goodness of God and the kindness of God that, 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 you know, whenever they felt the, the thunder roll, when they felt, heard the, uh, the crack of the lightning, when they, uh, saw the, the brightness, when they felt the rain, man, it was in those times that God said, nope, I'm going to, I've got you. I'm going to keep you. My word is true and you can trust my word. And God gave them this picture and the sign of the rainbow. You know, we, of course, in this world, we have twisted so many of the things of God, and we certainly know even even uh, the rainbow has been twisted in a lot of different ways. But even if we forget that the rainbow is a sign and as a reminder of God's covenant and that God will never destroy, even if we forget that, which we as a, as a people can often do, and, and even as individuals can do, and certainly as a society, we have forgotten that. But lest we forget, that doesn't change the covenant. That doesn't change the, the reality because notice what he says there. God himself said, I will remember my covenant when I see the rainbow. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature. So no matter how we distort the things of God and the, and the signs of God and the goodness of God, God says, you know what? My word is true. My promises are secure. And when I see my rainbow, I will not forget. I will remember. I will continue to remember my promise to you, to protect you, to care for you. And so just what a, what a great assurance we have today as we kind of stop and just think about, uh, again, the, the storms of our lives, the times that, that we have, have maybe felt like God has abandoned us. And, um, you know, for, for Noah and his family, it was a little over a year. Maybe you're going through a season. Maybe it's longer than a year. Maybe it's been lasting a few months. I don't know what you're, what you're, where you're at today or what you're facing or what you're going through. But I hope today that we can just be reminded of the sweet, sweet, sweet provision of our Heavenly Father. Be reminded of the fact that God knows exactly where we are. 
He always remembers us and his remembering of us always moves to action. It may not be on our timetable. It may not be in the way that we want it to happen, but we can be sure today that God remembers us. God sees you. God knows exactly where you are today. He knows exactly what you're facing. He knows exactly what the storm is and he knows exactly what the end result of that storm is going to be in your life. So rest in and trust that God remembers you. And as you trust that God remembers you, be willing to worship him. Worship him with a heart of gratitude. Worship him with a heart of sacrifice. Be willing to surrender completely and say, God, my all is on the table. I don't see you. I don't hear you. I don't know what's going on. But God, I trust you. And God, I surrender to you completely and wholly. And then make sure that that we are valuing life and that we are doing what we can to recognize that, that we ourselves are created in the image of God. And our life has meaning and worth because of that. But also the life other of other uh, all human life has meaning because it's created in God's image. And we must do what we can to, to preserve that life, protect that life, and even multiply that life in a way that, that honors God. And, the, and then ultimately just rest in the fact that God establishes his covenant and, and just as Noah uh, trusted in this covenant, we can look to this covenant and know that God's plans and purposes are right. But then also we can trust in that new covenant that we enjoy together with him. We are in covenant with our heavenly father that he will continue to do the work that he started in us. He will see that work through to completion. And, and we do not have to fear. Um, now God's word does tell us and, and Peter tells us that, that there is going to become a time where the world is going to be destroyed again. It's not going to be by flood because God's promise is there, but it's ultimately going to come by fire. And those of us who are in Christ in that new covenant, we know that our eternity is secure and that we have a blessed hope to look forward to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what gives us motivation to live this day. That's what gives us motivation to continue to, to trust him and to serve him and to follow him and to obey him and to do what he's called us to do, because we have that blessed hope that we look forward to this. You know what, for, for, for you, you've heard this said before for Christ followers, this world in which we're living right now, no matter how dark it might be, this is the worst it's ever going to be for us. Everything we have to look forward to is so much greater. And we and we long for that day and we look forward to that day when God will make all things new and we will enjoy an eternity together with him. I pray that that encourages you today. And I pray that that just helps you uh, to continue to, to trust God and to walk faithfully with him. This week, our prayer focus is on the country of India. So we please join with me in prayer. Dearly Father God, we come before you today with grateful hearts, Lord, thankful for your working in our lives. Thank you for the faithfulness, your faithfulness, the uh, the kept promises, Lord, the security that we know that we can trust you, that you will keep your word, and that you will see our salvation through all the way to completion. You promised also in your word, Lord, that you would be the father to the fatherless, and you would care for the vulnerable and Lord, what a joy it is that we get to be the hands and feet to uh, to be a part in your work and be a part of that, be the means by which you keep your promises uh, in this area. And so, Lord, we come before you today, Lord, specifically on behalf of the country of India, uh, Lord, a country that in so many ways is so dark to the gospel and uh, resistant to the gospel, but yet at the same time, Lord, a place where your church is alive and well and uh, you are raising up new followers of Christ, you are raising up new churches and new church leaders and your church, Lord, is actively engaged in caring for the most vulnerable. Lord, we pray that your church would continue to be strong there. We pray that you would give greater influence and opportunities to be salt and light in that in that country, Lord. We pray that more churches would 
would step into, Lord, caring for the vulnerable, that they would uh, do so with sacrificial love and care, as this has been, uh, Lord, the case for some time now. I pray, God, that you would raise up new leaders and new ministries and new churches, Lord, to continue to uh, to do this very thing. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for our partners there in India, uh, Lord, that are engaged in this ministry on a day-to-day basis. and. Uh, Lord, working so hard to bring gospel hope to the vulnerable, and we pray that you would strengthen them, sustain them, provide for them in every sense and every way. Lord, we pray also for the orphans there in India, Lord, that are longing for a forever family. We pray, God, that you would raise up families that would be willing to adopt from India. We we thank you for those that are engaged now and even those that are waiting to bring their children home. Uh, but God, we pray that you'd bring even more families, Lord, to our India program and that would have a heart. Uh, for these vulnerable children, these orphans, God. And we pray that that you would work in the government and the officials' hearts, Lord. You are able to to move the, the heart of those leaders, Lord, to be able to uh, be even more open to adoption, to be more friendly toward it, to be able to quickly move through processes and courts and legals and all those different things that are sometimes hold things up and cause things to take longer than they should. Lord, we pray that you just would would just do a mighty thing there, God, and that you would work in uh, each of those agencies and each of those ways, Lord, just to be able to, again, um, Lord, help us fulfill this mission that you've called us to equip your church, to equip your body, to equip Christ followers, Lord, to bring gospel hope to vulnerable children. Uh, again, Lord, it's such an honor and a privilege to be a part of this work. I pray that you will continue to give us wisdom as we seek to engage uh, in new ways and creative ways and continue to do the work uh, to which you have called us. I pray that we would be faithful in it. And uh, thank you for our team uh, here at Lifeline that works with the India program and all the different, different things that they do together, Lord, to be able to, again, just facilitate adoptions and care and support and love. Uh, for orphans there, as well as those that uh, are growing up in vulnerable situations. Um, We praise you, God. We give you the the, the glory for all things that are done, all things that are accomplished. uh, And we look forward to continuing to see how your hand will work. For it's in the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.